This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is sponsored by NordVPN, the virtual private network which allows fans to watch football games, films and TV shows that aren't available in your region. It even saves on travel costs, so if you're planning on travelling with the family or to watch the Amers in Europe, NordVPN allows you to purchase flights and hotels from different locations across the world and that will save you a few quid. Maybe you're a bit of a shady character and whatever you're up to, you want to give yourself the best possible chance of not getting caught. Whatever the scenario, NordVPN provide high-level protection for your data and personal information wherever you are in the world and boast the fastest virtual private network in the world. So no buffering and no lagging. So for less than a pint or a cup of coffee per month, you fans can watch all the games you want live from the comfort of your own sofa. Visit nordvpn.com forward slash Way to get your exclusive discount plus four months free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com forward slash Westamway. Listen to the West Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Hamway podcast with myself, Dave Walker, and XWH employee. It was our 19th defeat of the season against Brentford, but with nine changes made and Premier League safety practically guaranteed, should we just wipe our mouths and look forward to Thursday? Talking about Mar, we got the all-important win last week, but what did we think of the performance and how do we rate our chances of getting to Prague? All that and more before getting news from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Hamway. Let's start at the community stadium. Moyes made nine changes against Brentford. What did you make of the performance? And given those changes, what did you expect? Um, it's a difficult question. I think I expected more than we got, to be honest, despite the nine changes. Now, like, of course, I appreciate the fact that the team is much changed. So they would have played to, with each other much. They wouldn't have had the match fitness. They wouldn't have had the kind of momentum of being regular players. But there's players in that 11 there that are, you know, highly rated players. They've cost us a lot of money. They're on the fringes of the team, having made quite a lot of fuss that they think they should be in the team. 
team and a number of individuals to me didn't perform to to the levels I would have expected from a player that was trying to prove their worth to the squad now of course the refereeing decision which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point VAR decision was a massive factor in the game but I still think individually there were some poor performances from players I expected to be trying harder that said the game was almost a I don't know what the word is not a free game but obviously all focus is on Thursday so I understand what he did and why he did it and all the changes Um, and and if we we win on Thursday then happy days but um, yeah just I think a few individuals could have done themselves better than they did yeah, I think it's a perfect summary, mate, to be honest. I mean, it is all about Thursday, isn't it? Let's be honest. And uh, my biggest fear going into the game is that he was going to put out a strong team. So I was relieved to see that he didn't. And, um, you know, I think I've always been about the bigger picture, really. And the bigger picture for me is that, you know, I don't think we're going to get relegated. We're not going to qualify for Europe via the Premier League. Um, so you're only talking about really striving towards an extra 1.5, 3 million, 4 million, maybe in terms of league places. But I would rather sacrifice that on that given day to give ourselves the best possible opportunity of winning that game on Thursday and getting to Prague because that is where the priority lies. And I've often said my emotional reaction to games is based on expectation, really. For example, and I was relatively relaxed about losing 3-0 to Man City because that's what I expected. And seeing those changes made against Brentford, I was expecting a defeat as well. So I wasn't raging. However, you know, I did expect better from certain players, like you're saying. Um, whilst he made some good saves, I think Fabianski flapped at a cross early on that they should have scored from, which was disappointing. I think he could have done better for the first goal. I don't know what you think. Definitely. Um, didn't seem to get down quick enough for me, even though he knew where he was going to go. Uh, defensively, we weren't good enough. We struggled with crosses. Didn't win enough second balls. Positionally, I thought we struggled. And the midfield just got overrun. Um... I mean, with that in mind, do you think any of the squad players that came in took their opportunity? Not really, no. I mean, it's very hard to think of a player that did. You know, I, yeah, I'm struggling to think. I think Emerson was all right, but then uh, one of the goals, he was massively out of position, but then that was a mistake by Aguero, um Downs and Fabianski at the end. Uh, Zinni should have saved it, like you said. Um, Emerson did all right at times. I, I can't really think. I mean, Ings scored, obviously although I don't think he offered a great deal other than that um, uh, and obviously the goal wasn't allowed of course um, so no I don't think any of them did I mean you know you talk about people like Cornet who's been a major disappointment yes injuries have pretty much ruined his season but then these are the games now that he needs to be showing his worth I thought he did nothing you know for nows there's a lot of talk about for nows has been unlucky this year don't think he played very well um, Lanzini people have said it should be you know starting ahead of Suchek I don't think he did much you know I mean obviously it's one game so it's very hard to write them off particularly when they they may have been sat on the bench the last three months and not figured so I do take that into account that it's hard to come in and play really well but it was kind of the effort levels as well like you know if I if I'm trying to prove someone wrong at a minimum I'm going to be working my absolute heart out and all right the quality you know might not be there but at least the effort would be and and I don't think we saw that effort levels and it was only obviously when we got that second goal um, the, the things started. Sorry, got that first goal that was disallowed. Um, the things started to change. I mean, one positive in terms of performances, which you know, I don't like to be as negative as I have been so far. One positive in terms of individuals is the only, the only one I think can um, can come out of that game thinking, yeah, I made a bit of an impression. There was Mbappé, and, and, and what people wouldn't have.
have seen. If they were watching on TV, so you and I are at the game, so we could see it. But if you were watching on TV, you wouldn't have seen the runs that he was making. He made some really good runs where he peeled off the defenders and was in space. But unfortunately, our midfielders and wingers didn't pick him out um, when they should have. But he made some good runs. He influenced play. He put a lot of effort in. And, you know, he's only young, so things could only get better for him. So I think in terms of individuals, he's probably the only one that came out of that having enhanced his status um, rather than jeopardised his status. Yeah, it's great to see him get some minutes, actually. And do you know what I like about him? Because he's he's clearly got ability and he's ripping it up at his level. But what I like about him is that he seems so composed. He doesn't seem phased at the fact that he's getting first-team opportunities. And I think that's really important because we've often said that psychologically, it's just as important as the ability that you've got. Uh, and he seems to have that. So I think he could be a real player, you know, and he could be in squad contention for next season. I think he should be. Mm, yeah, because, you I know, agree. he's got the, the, the physical attributes. He clearly knows where the goal is. And you're right, he was making some really intelligent runs and was let down by his midfield, really, that didn't capitalise on that. So mm. that was frustrating, but it was good to see him. I mean, what do you make of the notion that <clears throat> David Moyes will typically constantly put out the same 11 players subject to injury um, and then burn them out? and then not use his squad enough so that when he does use them to a point where the players are burnt out, they're lacking match fitness and they're actually lacking a bit of unison with the other players around them. Because Um, the reason I ask that question is I can understand why that's been said, but then if he didn't do that, would he then be questioned that he wouldn't know his best 11? Yeah, exactly. I think that's the thing. At the moment, with certain elements of the fan base, there's nothing, whatever he does, people will see a criticism in, even if he does one thing one week and a complete opposite the next week. There's a criticism, you know, I saw loads of fans, majority of the fans say, oh, he's got to rotate the team. He's got to. So they're on the verge of putting the trigger on him if he'd picked a full strength team. Then when he did rotate the team like he did, you had everyone say, oh, why did he do that? He threw the game away. They were useless. This is all on Moyes. And so some people, he can't win. I do, I do think, though, that that argument that he shouldn't rotate, he hasn't rotated it enough or used the squad enough, I'm not sure that that's overly true. Because, you know, you look at the, the the strike position, the forward position, you know, Scamaker played a fair amount at the start. Antonio played a bit. Ings has played a bit. You know, Bowen's been up there occasionally. So they've, that's been rotating. Ben Rama's been in and out the side. For now, has been in and out the side. Downs has came in uh, for periods and then been out. Zoomers obviously had periods of out uh, of absence. Aguirre's had periods of absence. Kerr's had absence. Cresswell and Emerson have rotated most of this season. So of course, there's one or two that haven't. You know, like some Rice, but you wouldn't rotate Rice because he's your best player by a mile. So there's no way you would rotate him even if you had a good squad. Suchek, who you know is untouchable in terms of more his eyes it seems so you're never going to rotate him but so when you go through the squad actually every player and even the keeper even the keeper has been rotated for cup games and stuff so the only players that have really been forced to play every single game um, throughout the season uh, 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 Suchek and um, and uh, Rice you know even Paqueta's had a couple of games on the bench and periods when he's been out injured and stuff so the only ones are Rice and Suchek and you wouldn't really uh, rotate those anyway well you would rotate Suchek in normal circumstances but certainly Rice you wouldn't so no I think that's people just looking for another another thing to hit the manager with yeah I agree with that um 
Danny Ings has come in for a bit of stick recently. But as usual, and I'll be honest, I think it's a case of him being mismanaged as opposed to underperforming. Um, I think he's much better with a partner up front. And when Moyes actually tried that, we scored. He scored. Mm. But it was the goal that never was. Because once again, X, we find ourselves talking about another decision that's gone against us and once again we find ourselves talking about the incompetent corrupt shithouse that is Premier League officiating. Mm -hmm. Let's try and make some sense of this one. The goal was chalked off because of a handball by Mabama. Why? Because <laughs> the ball, if, I'm, if you want me to try and argue a defence for VAR which I can't, but if I'm doing it for the sake of the show the ball was in the region of his arm <laughs> and it may have to, may have touched the region of his arm and therefore by whatever the rules are on handball now that constitutes as handball and therefore it's handball but I'm just saying that for the, for the sake of it it's not handball it's not the goal should have the goal should have stood and as you said there in the description yet again we've been um, we've been penalised by it and um, it just gets to the point now where it's just getting stupid it's to the point where it's actually really affecting my enjoyment of football because, you know, we've always had shit decisions as West Ham fans throughout our history. Things have not gone the way they, they should have because of refereeing incompetency. But that is what you could put it down to because back in the day, refereeing was hard when it, when it wasn't your professional job, when you didn't have cameras in the, you know, in the ground. You know, even things like goal line technology, which actually works. You know, they didn't have that back in the day. You know, they were literally using their own eyes and the eyes that the two linesmen they didn't have, even have a fourth, fourth official to help them with you know timings and things like that so it was a hard job back in the day so whilst you'd come away and think god that ref fucking hates us and he made some shit decisions today you'd be pissed off you kind of accepted that that was part of the game now when you've got the technology that they have and the facilities and most refs earn a good money and they're full time and they have lots of training etc etc you can't keep legislating for constant mistakes you know in any job any profession and in football if someone makes constant mistakes Mistakes. You know, four games, whatever it is in a row now, where you're affecting such big decisions, you don't keep your job. Yeah, in refereeing circles, you seem to, and there's a there's a wall of silence. You know, like I think David Moyes may have said in the interview, the description he got was it, it was um well, it was handball, well, like he, he, his hand. But it, it's so hard to actually see whether it did or didn't, and if it did, it didn't make enough adjustment to the ball the ball went where it would have gone if it hit his stomach his leg his foot whatever because it was bang off a post where he had no time to react and I just I just can't get my head around how this can constantly happen and how it constantly happens to the, the lesser teams I mean let, let's be honest in the Brentford West Ham game you would say that West Ham actually are a bigger team than Brentford and, in, and if you go by the theories that the league want all the big teams to be in Europe and stuff they would actually have rather West Ham win that game than Brentford, surely, because Brentford are, you know, challenging the likes of, I don't know, Spurs for a European spot. So, in theory, there shouldn't have been corruption to that because you would have favoured, actually, West Ham in that situation. So, I actually can't get my head around what is going on, how they can constantly make all these bad decisions. I just don't know what is going on with it. And it is so, so frustrating. And Martin Allen, bless him, when we speak to him tomorrow, I'm going to have to go for him again on this because mm. he works with VAR someone's got to be able to 
talk to West Ham fans and explain what's going on. I think when it comes to these decisions and they don't go our way when they should do. And some of these decisions are so obvious. And that's my biggest problem. This is what I said to Mad Dog. You know, sometimes we are getting decisions go against us that isn't down to opinion. It's just outright unacceptable. Like, it's so obvious. So obvious that a decision should go away and it hasn't. And I think sometimes it is corruption. And sometimes, like against Brentford, I think it's um, incompetence. It's either one of the two. And I go back to the Liverpool game, right, where... Tiago has gone into a tackle and he's missed the ball um, and the ball's hit his arm twice, right? Now, now, reluctantly, reluctantly, I tried to understand why that wouldn't be a penalty. And I looked at it and I thought, well, actually, if, if you listen to this argument and then you watch it again, I can kind of make sense of it. So, you know, the distance between him and the ball was was a short distance. Uh, it was unintentional. Couldn't have changed his body movement to avoid it. OK, fair enough. We wipe our mouths and we move on. But all of those things could be applied to Mabama against Brentford. You know, the distance was inches. Exactly. It wasn't intentional. He couldn't have moved his body. No. It, it was completely unavoidable. So once again, why is there inconsistency in that penalty not given against Liverpool because it wasn't a handball, but our goal not being given because it wasn't a handball? It doesn't yeah, make sense. No, it doesn't. And I think it could be the fact that they've over, they've overcomplicated things because if there's a you know if there's a an answer that's either a yes or a no type thing, then it's very hard to get it wrong because it's either that or it's that, right? But when there's so many loose terms when it comes to things like handball oh it has to be intentional oh the guy who was in the direction of play oh it was an unnatural movement oh there was no time to react oh it hit this part of the arm above the sleeve but not this part below when there's so many little clauses that's when things get more complicated to understand and when it goes from being either simply yes it's handball and no it's not handball that's when it goes to being overcomplicated so again probably the rules are overcomplicated because the, the, it's even the officials are competent enough to understand the rules are the rules are overcomplicated it's got to be one of those two factors and um i can't keep sort of it's, it's ruining football like, you know just before i've we've come on this podcast doing it a little bit later because i've met up with an absolute diamond fella that both dave and i know and he's yeah. a regular listener to the show called spencer um, and he's done so much for the two of us you know you couldn't meet a nicer bloke like literally one of life's good guys and i was sat with him and we had a quick chat before before i came back to record this show and we were talking about the incident because obviously we knew we'd be talking about it on the podcast and he said that like, he's been meaning to ask this question to the show but he hasn't got around to it like what are those moments of euphoria when watching football that you'll never forget and we went for a few of them like Matty Everington's goal against Ipswich I talked about Zamora's goal against Ipswich I think the following year you know, we are talking about Julian Dix penalty against Spurs uh, we were going through those certain moments where you literally like jumped out of your seat and like were caught up in this just buzz of like excitement and euphoria now because of VAR I can never experience that because mm. in the back of my mind I'm thinking I'm dreading that purple fucking screen appearing on the, on the TVs and then they go VIR check in whatever and you, and you know that the minute he runs over to the screens as he did 
um, yesterday. You know they're going to change the decision. Otherwise, he wouldn't be going to the screens in the first place. They never stick mm. by the decision that they've made because that's the whole point, to change the decision. And it just absolutely takes away that euphoria moment. So I would 100%. Mate, I was one of the biggest advocates of VAR because I saw it worked with goal line technology and I thought it might be the way to eliminate bias towards the big clubs. But it does the complete opposite. And, you know, things like that, that with that instant, it didn't affect the movement of the ball to, to affect the play. If it hit his knee or his bum or his leg or his eye or whatever, it would have still gone in the same way. And this is the same with offsides. When they draw those lines and it's literally like a big toe, a difference between being offside or onside, that's not what VAR should be for me. VAR should be for me when it's a clear advantage gained. That's what it should be. So if a guy is a yard or two yards offside, then of course they've gained an advantage because they've got to the ball that much quicker. If a guy is, you know, um, if it's a guy like goal line technology, of course, if the ball's over the line, then it's a goal. And if it's not, it's not that's 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 a clear advantage but when it makes minimal difference to the action of play i don't know why we have to pull up all these things and keep changing and ruin what makes football so special a goal in football is one of the best moments in any sport in the world and that's why football is the most loved sport because those goals mean so much in basketball when the scores 88 80 or whatever the, the baskets don't mean anything but in football they only in the last quarter or whatever but in football they mean so much and we're slowly destroying it but it's constant decisions that are always more often than not wrong mm, this is the biggest problem I totally agree with that it's taken the euphoria of celebrating a goal away from the fans and away from the players mm. and, and it's it's just killed the most important part of football which is scoring goals you're absolutely yeah. right in that respect and, and again that's bad enough that's bad enough when this technology is killing that euphoria. But what makes it 10 times worse is when it kills that euphoria incorrectly. Yeah. So they're actually chalking off goals that shouldn't be chalked off. And you go to that game against Brentford. I know it wasn't a good performance, right? But you score that, you're back in the game. I, think, I honestly think we would have got a draw then because when you look at the, the passion of the, the players, like when they scored that goal, you know, Declan was rallying everyone else. Ben Rama was up for it. The players that came on and subs, Mabama was up for it they were really like you could tell fucking hell we've got this goal come on lads we can do this and I honestly think we would have, we would have got an equaliser at least in that game then and that's another point cost and you know it has wider reaching implications that you fucking predicted 2-0 in the predictor league as well so, <laughs> yeah. you know, so, so you know you talk about these billion pound industries that's the, that's the ultimate thing it gave you an 80 point swing and, you know no, no more than that actually because I would have got it wrong so about 100 point swing so like it's just you know it's having knock on effects all over the place <laughs> exactly <laughs> but, but honestly from so take it more serious it, it, you know again if West Ham go down which I don't obviously think we will but if we go down on that it's another fucking decision that's contributed to it Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mm, yeah, it's true. <clears throat> it's true. And, and and it's exactly that, what we were just saying there. You know, when you score a goal, because they say in football 2-0 is a dangerous lead. Yeah. Because if you concede a goal, then suddenly you're up against it again. You've got to mm. maybe rethink your tactics. Are you going to then sit back and try and defend, but then you're inviting pressure? We've got the momentum. We've suddenly had an injection of confidence and, and we're going at them now. But that was all taken away from us. And really and truly, when that was talked off, I think, psychologically the players were done I agree they sat back after yeah yeah, we're back Mm. that's it we're 2-0 now that was our chance if that's going to get chalked off we ain't coming back into this now so deflated and 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 the game was gone it was dead at that point and Mm. uh, all for what a wrong decision again Mm. so Mm. no I'm looking forward to speaking to Martin about this tomorrow and and the ref was yeah and the ref was what's his face Oliver wasn't it who's meant to be the the most highly regarded ref as well so it's not even a case like Martin's argued that some of these refs are new and you know they're coming up and they're getting better and better this is one of the more established ones from memory and I stand to be corrected from memory he was our representative at the World Cup so we're saying that he is our our best best referee out there and he's making these decisions and he's making these decisions in a game really when you can't say oh it's big club bias because as I said earlier that that wouldn't be applicable to Brentford over West Ham Um, Mm. so that's just a poor decision on his behalf and whoever the people were at Stockley Park again. And these guys at Stockley Park sit in whatever it is, that room they sit in. No one ever knows who they are or sees them or ever justifies it. And then they just like bugger off. It's almost like they sit there drinking their JDs and Cokes and think, oh God, we've got to make a decision here. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe, you pick. Okay, I'll go with that. And that's it, job done. And then they all snigger afterwards at the the consequences that they've had. And I know it's not quite as dodgy and corrupt as that, but it feels like that at times and I hate moaning about it because you know I try to be a, an upbeat a diplomatic kind of guy but when it comes to this thing with West Ham and VAR and I'm sure there's other fans of other clubs that feel it you can't help but feel hard done by and, and when your team is suffering as a result of something they shouldn't suffer from it's, it's hard to take at times Mm. and this is the thing look VAR ain't going away because they've spent too much money on it right mm, yeah. but but what is the point of the technology? You might as well get rid of it because as we've said so many times, and like I say, they won't because it's too much money, but logically speaking, they might as well get rid of it because we've said so many times that the technology in itself is probably superb, but for as long as it's at the hands of these absolute fucking numbheads that are using it and still coming to the wrong decision, it's having nothing but a negative impact on the game. And uh, honestly, take me back to the controversy of, of, of football before VAR. 
Because, you know, I think if you're literally relying on a referee to make a snap judgment on what he has or hasn't seen, then there is still the element of, okay, he's had to make a decision on a, in a millionth of a second there. So, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll let it go. These things happen. Mistakes happen. But when they're actually happening with the benefit of time and the benefit of, of video technology to allow them to watch it over and over again, what is the point of VAR? Why do we have it? And, and mistakes mm-hmm. are still being made using it. It's, mm. it's, it's, it's toxic to football. If, mm. if it was here and you weren't a fan of VAR, but 96% decisions were, were correct on the back of it and teams yeah. were saving points on the back of it, yeah. you would understand it. But it's mm. not the case. I don't actually know what it's, it's delivered to football. I don't know what it's given to football because some decisions are put right. But if I'm going to have to wait three more minutes to fucking work out if I can celebrate my club's goal or not, You've got to get it right. If you don't, why the fucking hell is it being used in the sport? 100% mate and that and that time you know where you're waiting three minutes to celebrate or not even if the decision goes in your favour it still feels a bit weird three minutes later something going yeah yeah it's like a com- phantom celebration yeah, exactly yeah because yeah, the computer said okay you can celebrate now it's just it's just yeah. like you know, you know you, when a goal goes in it's your natural reaction to celebrate because you're like yeah it's a goal for my team but when you're told by a computer right yeah it's okay lads you can celebrate it doesn't it doesn't have the same effect does it and it's just I don't know so I just get so frustrated by it constantly and I, I can't wait to actually this season you know we could we could win the, the European trophy it'd be amazing but this season through various factors obviously the performances beyond the pitch being the main one the constant negativity towards the manager whether it's justified or not um, and VAR decisions and stuff just seem to make this season feel so negative at times I'm actually looking forward to a break um, and obviously with the World Cup thrown in it seems to have been going on for ages as well um, I feel like I'm looking forward to having a break hopefully starting having the summer as a European champions and in the Premier League and then we can go again in August and hope that the standard refereeing and the standard performances on the pitch from West Ham improve but yeah it's just another thing that's just been a constant negative this season mm. Well, on a lighter note, it was quite funny after the game, wasn't it? (laughs) As we're walking out of the stadium, we've seen Bill Gardner. Now, Bill is a terrace legend, an absolute gentleman, West Ham mad and massively respected, rightfully so. But some people are over the top, aren't they? I mean, I've had a quick chat with him, right? Then this geezer comes over and uh, let's have it right. He's old school, right? (laughs) He's so... Fucking old school. <laughs> he puts the fucking old into old school. Right? <laughs> and he says to Bill, he comes over here and he says to Bill, uh, Bill, you've been in the sun for such a long time today, mate. Have a bit of water. Go on, Bill. Fuck me. You ain't half been in the sun a lot today. <laughs> a long time, you old mate. Go on, have a bit of water. And I'm standing there thinking, we all love Bill. But he's talking to him like he's a fucking Venus flytrap. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's as if he, he was literally talking to a plant. You've been under that sun for so long. Have a bit of water, mate. Go and have a bit of water. And it's literally, it was as if he stumbled across Bill in the Sahara, wasn't it? It was the strangest thing. It's London, it wasn't even It's 16 degrees in Brentford. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the strangest thing. And then he turns his attention to me, right, with a very different tone of voice now. He's talking to me, by the way. And he's gone, can you believe Moyes... 
brought those fucking players on today. They should be rested for Thursday. I said, well, yeah, you know, there is an element of risk, I suppose, but some of those players will need some minutes to keep their match sharpness for Thursday. Do you know what I mean? And with that, it just went, nah. And fucked up. <laughs> Before that, you said something like, um, "Well, I have got my opinion on this. If you want to hear it," and he went, "Well, not, not really." Like that. <laughs> um, people keep doing this to me all the time. He's shutting me down. If he's not telling me cotton, it's people like this. But he did. He went, "Nah." And then walked off. And I thought, oh, yeah, thanks for the chat, mate. Fucking hell. Let me know if you go on holiday. I'll come and walk a bill for you. Um, and that was after, that was after um, Tony Cotty had walked past me and you outside. And um, I thought to myself, I'm going to test the water again and see if Tony Cotty recognises me now. I know this sounds a little bit arrogant to expect, you know, a West Ham like legend to, to recognise us. But let me give some context. Obviously, he does a weekly column for us, of which we pay money to do we've done a probably what two or three events face to face haven't we we've done a couple of virtual events with him uh, we've met him in Belgium Leon from memory uh, Seville uh, God knows. I mean, I reckon I've met Tony about maybe 15 to 20 times now in my life. Let's go 15, because that's what I said to the story, um, to the lads that we were talking to. So 15 times. And I saw him coming off. I'm going to test the water now and see if he recognises us. I shook his hand and went, all right, Tony, how you doing, mate? He went, yeah, 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 thanks, thanks, thanks. Yeah, you're up. Yeah, thanks. Walked off. Just like what you do. <laughs> and, I thought, and I turned around and he still doesn't know what I, who I am. After all these years, like, what do I have to do so make him recognize me like um, so yeah so we had that before Harris was quite quite funny and um yeah it was just one of those days and credit to credit to you like when I turned up like you know obviously I, I was meant to be drinking myself but I'd had quite a heavy night on the Friday and then being a the friend that I was I looked at your train journey ahead of you so I told you what your train journey was going to be like, and I realized that you were going to have um bus replacement services which would have taken your journey just into to um, Liverpool Street to about two hours or something and then once you got there you had to get to Waterloo and it was looking like an absolute nightmare so for the sake of me not drinking um, I wasn't particularly up for that drinking anyway because once we got Amsterdam this week where I'm sure I will be drinking um, I took the sacrifice that I would drive so I turned out to pick you up and said, oh, don't, don't worry don't worry mate I'm not I'm not I'm not drinking much today day um so you you're in london as you as you called and so i parked and waited for you to come that not drinking much mate consisted of a whole bottle of wine which was uh, which was sweet <laughs> sweet and finished by the time we got to brentford from the bottle i might add no glass and then and then and then we had to stop off at a little news agents thing and get um a, well, what are they like jd and coke can things yeah, they're not yeah. strong enough really but yeah just to wet the whistle alive with nothing else <laughs> smash those back and uh, yeah that was just uh, that's not the equivalent of me having half a pint I think for for you and then uh, and then, uh, and, then uh, and then we went into credit credit where's credit's due you did do a bit of a bit of wand walker walking outside a little bit and uh, well, about three or four times I went over to you and went, mate, you know, it's 20 minutes to kick off. We need to get in now. You're like, yeah, okay, mate, okay, mate. And then you just stay, <laughs> stayed where you were. And then uh, luckily we were with Dan and Jamie and uh, a few other good mates of ours that listen to the show as well. Um, and and I, so I just said, look, I'm going to fucking leave him. I've said three times. Now I'm going in. Um, so I'm going to go with you boys. And on the fourth one, you did actually come with me. I'm by... still waiting for the credit where credit's due statement here, mate. Yeah, I'm getting here. I'm getting okay, that. So okay. Paint the picture. And then obviously you 
spent a bit of time being official photographer for a few people. But once I managed to stop you, <laughs> stop, stop you taking that role, you know, a bit of charity work with the bucket collectors. And, you know, <laughs> then, then I saw you sw- sweeping up all the West Ham fans' rubbish outside and stuff. But once you stopped doing all these chores for everyone, and I eventually got you in, and you talked to maybe two or three people for a reasonable amount, and then uh, but not too much. Then we went to our seat, and then uh, actually at half time, you were like, right, I'm going, um, I'm going to uh, um, get a drink or whatever. And I thought, here we go. I'll see you at the end, mate. I'll see you at the end of the game. <laughs> but credit where credit's due, you did actually come back, and you actually came back before before the start of the second half. So I had to look at your neck just to see if it was robot Damon, see, see, if the, see if it was the bolts and the robot one had been sent. But uh, no, it was you. And uh, well done, mate. Well done. Yeah, you should be proud of yourself. Love patronising about that. I mean, as the listeners can probably gather, I'm, uh, I'm a bit like a battered housewife in this relationship. So, so I can't drink too much. I can't leave my seat. I can't talk to anyone. I can only look at the game if there's a goal-scoring opportunity. Otherwise, I've got to stare at the floor. You know, I've got never what I wear. I can't, I can't wear shorts because that exposes too much. Leg. <laughs> if you're a battered housewife and you can't drink, I must be the most have the most weak, <laughs> weakest punch ever. <laughs> because you certainly do fucking drink each game, so that's not that's not the case. <laughs> well, do you know that was a, a bit of a plot twist for me listening to that story? Because when you were saying about credit where credit's due, I thought you were going to talk about me sort of getting you a piss that you was initially rejected for. Oh, no, yeah, to be fair, yeah, I, I, I do I do respect you for that as well. We parked at a car park, and um, it was actually a good choice, only three minutes away from the stadium, so we found yeah. a, nice little, a nice little touch. I mean, it did cost fucking 25 quid, but it was worth paying because it was literally right next to the stadium and, um, you know, quite a nice car park and stuff. So, yeah, as far as nice car parks go, I guess it's not not something I've overly judged that much before, but it was, it was uh, yeah, it was did the job and we we walked into um a the building that was there and there was a security guy and I and I really just goes to the toilet because I've driven like I've been out the night uh, two nights before but for me if I've been out three nights before I'm still feeling it and um, I said to the guy can I use the toilet mate and he said no basically and I tried a little bit of an argument like come on mate I'm not going to do anything in it other, other than the obvious like just uh, just let, let me in and he wouldn't so I sent it for my backup my backup being Dave and in, to, to be fair in Dave's Dave's credit he used persuasive methods to now allow me to begin then use the toilet. So yeah, that, that also yeah. deserves credit. I mean, I mean, it's not as sinister as it sounds. I mean, I just it was just in conversation. <laughs> well, um, a conversation with a, with a conversation with a little bit of threats thrown in. Anyway, you got your piss, didn't you? So yeah, uh, did, everyone's I a winner. Did, I did. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, everyone was happy. So <laughs> 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 you know, we were joking about that in the car afterwards, weren't we? Yeah. You know when you get those little snappy chihuahuas. Yeah. And um, you go with stroke, and all of a sudden you see their top lip curling over their teeth a little bit, like they're going to go for you. And then you get close enough where they, and eventually they just go, and the thing is, like, I don't know who he was, but, um, but it was so obvious he was going to do that. He just had this, like, face on that was just, that was like, I'm here for Bill and no one else but Bill. And if anyone tries to take my time away from Bill, they're going to get it. And because you were trying to chat to Bill, you were taking vital minutes of his away. And he wasn't, he wasn't having it, was he, at all? I was surprised at one point he just didn't take the lid off the bottle and pour it over Bill's fucking 
fucking head. Yeah. He seems yeah. to be seriously concerned about his hydration for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't help but think that he was over worrying, to be honest. Uh, but but uh, Bill did seem a bit confused at his concern as well. Yeah, exactly. He wasn't like standing there. It's not as if he was passed out against the, the wall going, oh, I'm so hot. He was just walking normally like everyone else. <laughs> oh, oh, Bill, does very close to what you've been under that sun so fucking long, mate. Yeah. Just have it, mate. Honestly, I won't take any money for it. He's a bottle of water, Hell. And the guy probably been swigging from that bottle of water as well. So I'm not overly sure I would have wanted to take it, even if I was in desperate needs. <laughs> oh, God almighty. That's, a, that's also to mention Brentford's security. I've just had a thought in terms of water. So I had a bottle of Coke with me, which was in my pocket. And they said I could take it in, but only if I drank it in front of them. And I said to them, like, what, the, what does this prove? What do you think What do you think it's proving? And he said, I just want to tell that it's Coke. But so I was just a so, bit. If it was alcohol, I wouldn't have reacted any differently to whatever it was. <laughs> it was so, and, if, and if it was petrol or something more sinister than that, then, I, then, I, then I'm not exactly going to stand there and like take it in like in a coke bottle. Am I? I mean, so that was weird as well. It's a strange, <laughs> a strange away day. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is quite a strange away day that one. Um, yeah. Well, at this point, I would like to officially issue Brentford with another points deduction because last season they didn't have a burger van in proximity of the stadium. This season it's the same story. Um, X, I can't remember the amount of points we typically dock for not having a burger van at the ground. But it's 10, I think. Is it 10? But given the fact so. that this is the second time now we're yeah. having this discussion about Brentford, I'm not sure if we need to make a bit of a statement, mate, and, and maybe go a little bit more than minus 10. What do you reckon? I think so. I mean, unfortunately for Brentford, or like they, maybe they should make more effort, but the main reason for them is that they're one of these like new football stadiums, aren't they, that are built like like sort of off the usual tracks of like old school um, football grounds that are built within terraces and stuff, and they just don't, they don't, they're like a new stadium and they've obviously forgotten their roots and not realised how essential a hot dog and um, you know burger stall is and um, yeah it's just a disappointing state of affairs really I mean their ground is a peculiar one at the best of times but uh, yeah it has no no bowls. I mean they barely have a club shop do they when you look when we walk past that merchandise store yeah. it's no no bigger than your shed in your garden and no. stuff so no. they do they do uh, offer quite a a strange um, and unimpressive uh, like catalogue of things at that ground. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, it was even smaller than the old Porter cabin at Upton Park. Do you remember that? Yeah, and yeah. I think it was smaller than that. And yeah, we're in exactly. 2023 now. So, yeah, um, as, as a club, they seem to be run pretty well and they're doing very well. But uh, certainly some areas to improve on as an absolute priority of that football club, it should be a burger van. Because I'm not being funny, X, and look, you know, I don't want to make empty threats, but if we go there next season and there still isn't a burger van, the points deduction is just going to get even bigger. And I'm not being mm. funny, it gets to a point where you think, how seriously are they, are they going to take this competition? You know? Yeah, and at the end of the day, if they don't provide a burger stat, uh, van soon, we may actually have to provide our own. Yeah. Logistically, I think that'd be challenging. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not quite sure how we'll do it, but you know, we, yeah, we need to we need to at least make that threat uh, minimum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we'll talk about that off air. Yeah, um, but, but for now, let's talk about the semi final last Thursday. We got the win, which was the most important thing. But fair to say, we made our work of it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think. 
generally, the, 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 when people have analysed the game, I think people have been quite harsh on West Ham. You know, when I was listening to Talk Sport on the way back and I was reading West Ham's comments, they were like, oh, West Ham played terrible today. I don't think we played terrible. Yeah, in the first half, we they had more of the ball than perhaps you'd have liked them to have had. But it was just one of those games where the ref seemed to be a bit dodgy. They were they were yeah, wasting they were wasting time like anything, just constant wasting time, wasting time. So they disrupted the flow of the game. And you know we didn't play great. I'm not seeing it thinking oh we played wonderful, but I don't think we were as bad as some people made out. Ideally, you'd be going into that second leg with a minimum of a two goal lead. We haven't got that, but I didn't see enough from Alkmaar to make me think you know wow they're a quality quality team. And I think if we put out the same team which we did against them last time which I'd imagine we probably will do we'll still do this in my section but I'd imagine we probably will do I think I think we should have enough to get to the final well I don't think it was a terrible performance I thought it was an okay performance against a bang average side to be honest and listen I will be honest X and say that in my opinion Moyes is lucky to be coming up against teams like this because I just don't think he'd get away with it if the opposition was of a higher standard I really don't that said I'm stating the obvious now but getting the win was the most important thing because it means that Alkmaar have got to come at us in that second leg and that suits our style of play because we're a counter-attacking side so if we can nick the ball early and take a lead over there it's going to be hard for them to come back. So actually, we are in a, a decent position, I think, mm. for that reason. You know, yeah. um, More classic man management from David Moyes, when incredibly he chooses to criticise Ben Rama rather than praise him on what was a good performance. Can you make any sense of this latest pop at Benny? No, um, I, I don't understand. I mean, the the comments were he needs to, you know, he scored a good penalty, and we're really pleased. Um, but he needs to score more in open play. When all oh, right, De Gea was massively at fault, but the week before he scored a goal from open play, um, and I I don't know why he keeps doing it. I, there, there has to be more to it than just. He doesn't like Ben Rama. There must be like a, he must feel that Ben Rama is maybe one of those players that responds better to a, a, a rollicking rather than praise, maybe. I don't know, but it just seems so strange. It just seems so strange when you've got players like, you know, Suchek, for example. I know it's like I've got an agenda with him, but, you know, his main thing is that he's meant to score goals for us from midfield, um, and he doesn't. Yeah, he singles out Ben Rama, who has scored goals and done lots more than just score goals for the criticism and I don't understand it I don't know what his issue is with Ben Rama and why he constantly constantly does this with him and you know when you look at pros and cons of keeping Moyes certainly one of the cons is this weird kind of favoritism he tends to show in the press or unfavoritism I don't know discrimination I guess he seems to show in the press towards certain players Mm, it's just bizarre, isn't it? I can't mm. get my head around it. I, I, you know, he talked about more goals from open play. We're not being funny. They all could. All yeah, of them. Could. You exactly, know, we're not yeah. littered with goal scorers that are in double figures. You know, no, no one's massively contributing to goals. Um, and I think you know he, he chooses to he chooses to make that comment when Ben Rama was one of our best players that night. So I, I just find it... Well, he, he smashed the patient man of the match. He got 93%. He also yeah. got he also got the on the official website the, the man of the match award as well. So the official website um, having to put out 
a graphic that shows he was the man of the match, whilst then putting out an interview with David Moyes, slagging him off, saying he doesn't do enough. Mm, don't look good, does it? No, it's just it's just it's strange. And I'd love to when David Moyes, like you know, leaves West Ham eventually, whenever that may be. I'd love to get an interview of him because that would certainly be one of my questions. Why? Why was it that you always seem to single out Ben Rama for stick when a lot of West Ham fans would have argued that he is one of the better players that season? Yeah. Yeah, and it'd be I mean, a for me, question as well. well, for me, when it comes to Hammer of the Year, Declan wins it, and Ben Rama comes second. Mm. You know, but when you look at when you look at the difference between the the criticism and praise between the two, Moyes always big Declan up in the press. Always, everything he ever says about him is positive. Yet, whenever he speaks about Ben Rama, it always seems to be negative. I mean, I think Packerton's got a shout for being Hammer of the Year based on recent form. But I think mm. over the course of the season, it has to be those two by quite a, a significant distance, I would say. And yet, the difference in the way he treats the two of them is is massive yeah I know it really is and it's a real head scratcher but on to Thursday a massive night in the club's history all we have to do is not lose and we're going to Prague are you confident? confidence probably too strong I think I Think, I think we'll do it. I think we'll do it. But I don't feel confident. The, pro- the problem is with West Ham is that you just never know what's going to happen. You never, ever know. In theory, based upon our team and their team on paper, we should do it. We should do it quite comfortably. But, you know, they've just won 5-1 at the weekend. All right. It was against a Dutch team that I don't know if I'd even heard of. Um, and they were 4-0 up within about 20 minutes. Um, I still don't think their calibre is as good as our calibre. And when I look at that team of theirs, we are, we should beat them. But I just can't feel confident 100% about West Ham this season you just never know what's going to happen if you was to ask me to bet whether West Ham will be in the final or not I would bet yes but confidence too strong for my feelings I think yeah I know what you mean because you're a West Ham fan and you know better to be confident and yeah and for that reason I, I kind of agree with what you're saying I, I think it's I think we'll win, but I don't think it's going to be a comfortable night. I mean, my prediction would be 2-1 again, to be honest. I think we'll win 4-2 overall, um, but I do think we will do it. And uh, jokes aside, I am relatively confident. Um, what's your prediction? I think I'm going to go for a draw, a draw there, so that we win with the goal we scored in the first, uh, with the 1-0, sorry, the one goal lead we had from the first leg will carry us through because I think it'll be a draw at their ground. Mm. Well, let's hope so, mate. Let's hope so. Massive mm. night. Massive yeah. night. Okay, it's that time again. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.